Welcome to the Week 15 episode, our game-by-game breakdown, Fantasy Football Today, DFS. I am your host today. Frank will be back with us next week. I am, of course, joined by Mike McClure. Today on the pod, a Week 15 deep dive. Each game on the main slate, as usual, will have Frank's dad's sneaky DFS picks. Looking for a bounce back in that regard, but let's not forget... The Don was fifth place in our FFT DFS contest, which hopefully everybody has already reserved their spot for. If you haven't, the link can be found in the Apple feed and on my Twitter and really all of our Twitters, including the Fantasy Football Today page. We'll go over our cheat sheet at the end of the show, favorite values, chalk, contrarian, and stack plays. Listen, in week 15... No more bye weeks, folks. We have an 11-game main slate with a two-game slate on Saturday, which we actually did a special episode for that is in your feed, and hopefully you have already heard it. Uh, We have zero games this week, Mike, with a 50-point total. Talk to me about that. It's pretty strange. It seems like all of the powerhouse teams, you know, Thursday night, obviously, we we had the Chargers and the Kansas City Chiefs, and then Sunday night football, Monday night football, a lot of some of these big-ticket guys are always leaning on are not in this game, that doesn't change your approach, does it? It doesn't change the approach much other than the guys that are in this game, in this slate that are, are premium plays like that. You're, you're going to be more interested in them, mostly because of the, the COVID this week, right? There's so many people sitting out. There's going to be so much value that opens up by the time that everything runs around. But uh, yeah, as far as the totals go, it's not, you know, it's interesting to see them lower. I mean, you you kind of get that every year at this point in the season, as most of the games are still outdoors. It gets cooler outside. Gets you know, weather starts to become a factor. Um, things tighten up a little bit defensively as we get closer to the playoff push. So it makes a lot of sense uh, overall. Not something I personally read into too much, as we're still comparing each individual game on the slate to every other game on the slate. So it, it is worth noting, but not not a major deal. And you're right about people just wanting to to hop on to to the premium plays because when we look at initial ownership, guys like Debo Samuel, guys like Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams, they're all right there in the top five in terms of ownership. Depending on what you know ownership projections you're looking at, these guys are going to be in the top five, top six, pretty much no matter what. So with that said, let me just get one question out of the way before we get into our first game, which is going to be the Cardinals at the Lions with Arizona being a 13-point favorite with a 47.5 point total. Before we get there, I want you to rank Debo Samuel, Cooper Cup, and Devontae Adams in terms of not just your projection, but in terms of value and your likelihood of playing the three. Uh, Cooper Cup, number one, uh, by a pretty considerable margin for me. Devontae Adams, number two, and Debo Samuel, number three. It's kind of boring. It's the same way they're priced. Um, probably the same way they w- will rate in terms of overall ownership, but... Uh, you know, Debo, I'm always a little concerned because he's ran so hot with the touchdown scoring. Um, you know, it's great getting handoffs in the backfield. It's great doing all those things, but not catching passes on a PPR site like DraftKings, like it, it ruins the floor. You know, if Debo's not getting in the end zone, busting big plays, you know, and he's incredible athlete. He's done a great job. Shanahan's done a great job giving him the football at all, you know, as often as they can. Um, you know, it depends on what the status of Eli Mitchell is. You know, there are scenarios where Debo could climb up there and, and maybe, you know, be equal to Adams or, or pass him for me. But it's far and away Cooper Cup. Uh, I love his chemistry with Matthew Stafford. Uh, I think anyone that's watched him play this year, it, it's very clear to see. He leads the league in what? Receptions, yardage, and receiving touchdowns. And he's just going to be an absolute target monster in this game. So he, he may not hit his props. He may not have 100 yards. But I... 
I bet he's going to have 14, 15 targets in this game. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll get to Cooper Cup. We'll get to Elijah Mitchell. There's some news on him uh, in a little bit. But speaking of news, we have a lot of news with this first game we're going to open with. We've got the Cardinals at the Lions. Again, the Cardinals are basically almost two touchdown favorites. They're favored by 13, a relatively high total at 47 and a half. So that's certainly something to consider when you have a slate full of games that really just have low totals in that 42, 43, 44 range. Arizona, let's talk about some of their injuries. DeAndre Hopkins is out for approximately six weeks with knee surgery. Uh, in my opinion, it might be further, but it doesn't matter what my opinion is because he will be out the rest of this sort of fantasy football season. Uh, James Conner did not practice Thursday due to an ankle injury. So does that open up things for Chase Edmonds? Michael, I'll ask you about that in a second. But let me just talk about Detroit. TJ Hawkinson out for the season's thumb surgery. DeAndre Swift did not practice Thursday. Jamal Williams is still on the COVID list as of now. Let me ask you first, Mike, um, do you expect James Conner to play? We know he got injured on the second to last play uh, on Monday Night Football. Uh, it didn't look His prospects didn't really look great, in my opinion. And I, I noticed Kyler Murray seemed to be a little banged up as well, but much less so. Is Chase Edmonds a, a, a lock play for you if James Conner is out here? He is. Uh, Chase Edmonds is in my initial build that I have in front of me right now. I do not expect James Conner to go in this one. I think that it's one of those classic cases we see it all the time, right? If this were a playoff game, he's playing. If this were an mm -hmm. elimination game, he's absolutely playing in it. It's the Lions. They're still 13-point favorites. They know that they're going to be without DeAndre Hopkins for a little bit. Barring any sort of setback, I mean, they could be without Hopkins throughout the playoffs too. We, we have no mm -hmm. idea what that's actually going to look like there at that point as he seeks additional opinions. So I don't see any scenario really where they would want to push James Conner unless it was like truly nothing. And watching towards the end of that game, reading the reports, uh, I would say that it's certainly more than nothing uh, at this point. So Edmonds was close to being activated last week. Um, I, I think that same thing applies there. Like it was an important division game. It wasn't an elimination game. They were, you know, at home. Um, but if it were a playoff game, Edmonds would have been available to play in that game. And mm -hmm. I, I think that they flipped the roles here. I think Edmonds is activated, ready to go. I think he's the lead back. I think he's heavily involved in the passing attack as well. So I, I love Chase Edmonds in this one at 5,100. I would not be at all surprised if he's one of the most popular plays on the slate right up there with Cooper Cup by the time this one locks. Yeah, and 5100 is a very reasonable price, especially if your strategy, and we touched on this on Tuesday, is to lock in a lot of the premium targets in the at the wide receiver position. If you are trying to do that, then you're going to have to dip pretty low, maybe even lower than 5100 where Chase Edmonds is. But you could probably include, you know, depending on your build, you might have an elite quarterback, you might have a mid-tier quarterback. But if you want to have two high-priced receivers, you're going to have to probably drop low especially you know if you're trying to play a decent tight end or, or something or a decent running back chase Edmonds sort of fits the bill there at 5100 and the game script is really kind of beautiful for him for his first game back he'll catch passes but he also could be the bell cow here you know once this gets late and sort of out of reach for the detroit lines if that ends up happening he's not a bell cow running back i'm not suggesting that but with james connor out and a fresh chase Edmonds, it just makes sense for him to get the lion's share no pun intended uh, of the work in this one so speaking of lines here, so DeAndre Hopkins is out. Is there any receiver here that you would be interested in in a game script like this where Arizona is such a favorite? And the addendum to that question is, is Kyler Murray playable here? And, and the only reason I ask you such a seemingly absurd question is, well, they're going to be up a lot. And I just don't know how much they're going to want to showcase Kyler Murray and have him run around and pick up those yards that sometimes we lean on for touchdowns and for just rushing yards. 
Yeah, no, I I mean, if I was running the team, I would certainly be conservative with them. I don't care about the 13-point spread. We get in, we get out with a win, and and that's it, right? So I, I'm not going to be playing Kyler. Uh, I think that he's a fine play. I think he can absolutely get there. Um, having, you know, I will say Connor catches passes and has been a lot more recently, but having Edmonds back there, having creative ways to most likely get the football to Rondell Moore in this spot, this projects as a good spot to use Rondell Moore uh, as kind of an extension of the run game. Mm-hmm. You look, they, They're capable. Edmonds and Moore are both capable of taking one of the house from 50 yards away, especially against a team like this, which would really help Kyler, but not going to be a priority for me. I'd much rather spend up and invest in, in guys like Cooper Cup, uh, who we know have just absolutely insane volume on the slate. So as far as where I'm at with some of the uh, receivers, I, I think Chris Christian Kirk is fine. Uh, I do think that they will still take some shots down the field to him. Uh, I think that that's going to help them a lot. Rondell Moore is someone I, you know, look, I want him to break out. I want to see more. Um, you know, he had the game against Seattle where he had 11 targets, 11 catches, you know, it's only 51 yards with 11 targets, 11 catches shows you they're using it as an extension of the run game. I would expect something similar to that. I'm not saying we're expecting 11 targets, uh, but I would not be shocked if he had 10 touches in this game, you know, three or four handoffs, five, six targets, um, which would make him viable with a little bit of upside at 4,400 if you wanted to pivot. But it's going to be Edmonds and Kirk. I think they're both going to end up being relatively popular on mm-hmm. the slate. But overall, for me, I think that I will be limiting to a max one. So like when I build, you can, you know, I, I talk about build rules. I do them with an optimizer. You don't have to use an optimizer. You can write it down or make a mental note. But I will definitely be having a rule this week where it'll be max one Arizona Cardinal in the mm-hmm. lineup. It'll it'll be I'll have a lineup with more maybe. I might have a lineup with Kirk. I will definitely have lineups with Chase Edmonds, but I will not have lineups with both of them or multiple of them. Yeah, I mean, and you know, somebody's going to get there for Arizona, just period. And that's yeah. why, like, having one of them in your lineup actually does make sense. I mean, the implied point total for Arizona is thirty point two five. I actually think Rondell Moore is so sneaky because with the DeAndre Hopkins news, when we heard it from everybody, we saw it. You know, when, when we whatever site we decided to go to, it was all about Christian Kirk. Okay, he's going to benefit, or maybe it's going to be AJ Green. And all those are true, but in a game like this especially if you're down a running back. We saw Rondell Moore line up in the backfield and get some rushing attempts last week. So it really makes sense for if this does get out of hand in the second half for them to feature Rondell Moore, much like Kyle Shanahan features Debo Samuel. It's obviously not going to have the same effect, but it certainly makes sense there to take a shot, um, a long shot, if you will, at 4,400 with Rondell Moore. But I would agree if you're trying to go with maybe a, a, a more – a guy that's going to get volume. It's probably Christian Kirk, but I don't think we should be underselling AJ Green. And I know that's not what you're doing, but a lot of people are just kind of ignoring AJ Green and he's been pretty good. He actually looks the part too. So he caught seven of 10 targets last week for 102 yards. Look good doing it. Let's talk about real quick on the other side of the ball. I don't think we need to spend too much time here. Some value might open up at the running back position. We have to wait to see what happens with Jamal Williams. doesn't look like DeAndre Swift is going to play. I think if Jamal Williams is out, I think Craig Reynolds might be popular. Um, some people might want to go back to Godwin Iquabuque. Uh, so those two are definitely in play. Jefferson is not in play. Uh, but Amon Ross St. Brown, I did want to talk to you about because He's been really, really good. He's getting actual targets, and he the target share is kind of really popping over the last two weeks, thirty two percent and thirty one percent. Are you play, Is he in your pool this week at fifty two hundred? He's not currently. Um, if we get the situation where it's a true lock button situation on Chase Edmonds, then it's more likely that he'll work his way in. 
Uh, but there are also another, there's another receiver in the game on the same team um, that, that we'll talk about in a second, probably, or I guess I can mention him. It's Craig Reynolds, uh, 4,300, same mm-hmm. price as Rondell Moore, basically. Um, direct pivots off of Devontae Parker, who's going to be popular in another game. I'll likely look to make that pivot there, knowing that Amonra St. Brown's likely going to grab a lot of the ownership, likely going to be a super popular bring back. Um, just some little in-game, in-team leverage by going to the cheaper player, who's also likely to benefit. Um, if Amonra doesn't get there and is struggling, it's likely the team's either not scoring. So if they're not scoring, your bad score at a cheaper price is not as significant as that. And then if they are still scoring, it's likely going to be in the direction of Craig Reynolds. So I'd rather save the money. I know it's not a ton of savings. Uh, what is it, like 800 bucks, something like that between the yeah, two? Yeah, it's, not, it's 900, 900 bucks. between the two, yeah. Um, 900 makes a, a, a pretty big difference though on this slate. So I, I'm going to elect to fade Amon St. Brown personally, play the other guy, opt for some of that in-game, in-team leverage, and see what happens. And one thing to consider with Craig Reynolds, especially if you're doing the build where you're really stacking the, the, the premium guys at wide receiver and or tight end or both, um, you're going to need to file, find value at the running back position. So Craig Reynolds, if, if especially if Jamal Williams is out at 4,300, he's going to help you do that. He's he's one of probably four or five guys this week that you can plug in to really save the money you need to pay for that that high priced receiver like a Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, Deontay Johnson, for example, Debo Samuel. So uh, let's move to the next game, Mike. Uh, Panthers at Bills. It's a 44 and a half point total. This is another big spread. We've got a lot of them this week. The Bills are favored by 10 and a half. DJ Moore limited at practice with a hamstring. Josh Allen limited at practice. Emmanuel Sanders, a DNP, did not practice. And he seems certainly doubtful. Uh, With Sanders out, I I think a lot of the talk is to Gabriel Davis as a value play at 3,700. We have Diggs at 7,700. Beasley, 4,900. Dawson Knox coming off a great game at 5,100. On the Bills side of the ball, I have two questions for you. A, just who do you like? And B, do you have faith in Josh Allen considering the spread here and considering the fact that he did endorse some sort of foot sprain, which has me personally just a little bit worried? Yeah, no, it's got me worried. It's a lot like that Arizona Cardinals game. You know, it's a home game for them. They're going to, they should be a little more cautious. They should want to just simply escape with the win at this point. Uh, especially considering what they've got coming up uh, in the following weeks. So I'm not going to be playing Josh Allen. I'm, I'm electing to use that capital on guys like Cooper Cup, frankly, and those more sure thing wide receivers on the slate. So I'll, I'll play some Gabriel Davis uh, at, at 3,700. I think he's likely to see that extended run. I do not expect Emmanuel Sanders to play in the game. Uh, if you want to go up to Beasley at 4,900, I think he's a fine pivot away from Amandra St. Brown if he emerges uh, as a more popular play on the slate. But for me, it's pretty simple that it's going to be Gabriel Davis or bust on the uh, the Bills side. Interesting, yeah, because I, I I agree with you on Josh Allen. I just it's just it doesn't feel like the week to play him coming off that injury. He's obviously going to be limited in terms of running the ball, and frankly, he's not really need to go, going to push the limits. The games that we typically see Josh Allen really go off is like we saw last week when he absolutely has to when he is just forced. Yeah to run around and just generate every everything he possibly can with his arm and his legs. This is not the game for that. So in spite of the 27 and a half point total, I'm really not interested in much here. I mean, I think I think Devin Singletary is interesting. I'm I'm not sure if you know, obviously 
that would for me would be a huge contrarian play because you know, you don't want to take a runner with the Buffalo Bills. Um, Gabriel Davis certainly in play for me. I think if you just wanted to get different, if you just wanted to get different, I think you could do a Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs stack. Uh, I certainly think Diggs can get behind this defense, which I believe plays a lot of man. But with that said, how much opportunity is going to be there for Stefan Diggs is really the question. And the same argument for Gabriel Davis, although he's obviously 4,000 cheaper. So, it, you know, you don't have to get too far uh, from a uh, reception standpoint with Davis to, to pay off the price. On the Carolina side of the ball, interested in anybody. We obviously have DJ Moore with some sort of uh, hamstring issue. I, I, Robbie Anderson had a great game last game. I mean, he he had a bunch of targets. He was pretty efficient with them, actually got in the end zone. But to me, that seems like more of an anomaly than anything else. Oh, and by the way, man, there was a lot of hype about Terrace Marshall early in the season, right? I feel like Terrace Marshall and Trey Sermon were like the hot tickets and they completely went away by like week five or week six. So that's just uh, something I just wanted to say. Maybe it's because I, I wasn't super on him and I'm trying to pat myself on the back, but I've gotten a lot wrong too. So, uh, but before I leave this, Chuba Hubbard, Amir Abdul, are you interested in anybody on that side of the ball? I'm really not. Uh, the game's mostly a total stay away from me. Um, mm-hmm. You know, th- it could burn me, obviously. Carolina plays well. Josh Allen's forced to go out there and, and have a huge game. So I can't say you have to completely ignore it, but as someone who only plays five lineups on a main slate, it's not something that I'm targeting really at all. Yeah, I think for me, the only guy as a complete punt, if I have to go down to that 4K range, Amir Abdullah is likely to get a lot of work in a negative game script. He'll, he'll get a lot of receptions, a lot of targets. And I could see Cam Newton just kind of leaning on him in the second half to just, just to generate some offense. So I think at 4,400, he's an interesting punt play. I'm not interested in Chuba Hubbard. I'm not interested in Cam. I'm not interested in really any of these receivers. Uh, the next game we have, Mike, is Cowboys at the Giants. Another big spread. 10 and a half. The Dallas Cowboys are favored by. It's only a 44 and a half point total. Uh, will be pretty cold at um at, at the Giants and 15 mile per hour winds are projected. So that's getting into the range where it's something that you should kind of care about, but it's it's not something that's going to completely inhibit the passing game. It's just for me, I only mention it because, hey, keep an eye on the weather this time of year. I mean, if if, if this is just a 12 to 15 mile per hour wind, it, to me, it has no impact. But if for some reason it gets it escalates a little bit, it's something to consider. On the Dallas side, Tony Pollard is back at practice as of Thursday. However, offensive tackle Tyron Smith is out this week. It's a pretty big deal. Saquon Barkley, Andrew Thomas back at practice as of Thursday after missing Wednesday. Daniel Jones is out again. Uh, Mike Lennon will start. So let's start with Dak Prescott. I think this is an interesting time to go back to Dak in spite of a pretty low total. Uh, and the reason I say that, Mike, is because we saw what happened to Dak last week. They they built up a, a big lead partially because of their defense, and Dak just didn't have to keep his foot on the gas at all. And then all of a sudden, 24 nothing became a, a close game. And by then it was the fourth quarter and, and, you know, the game was kind of over. But if you saw Dak in those first, like that first drive in particular, he absolutely carved up the Washington secondary like we kind of thought he would. The only reason I think this is an interesting bounce back spot is because they were up 24-0 and they almost, they could have lost that game. They were DeAndre Carter catch away from maybe having that game tied. And I just think they're not, I don't think they're going to take their foot off the accelerator until this game is like 30 to nothing because they just learned their lesson from the week before. So in spite of the weather, in spite of the low total, I personally think this is an interesting time to go back to Dak and pair him to, to CeeDee Lamb, pair him to Amario or pair him to a, a, a Michael Gallup, one or two of those guys, especially knowing that Zeke is kind of banged up. 
you know, Pollard is back, but Zeke is kind of banged up. So any thoughts there? I mean, I, I would certainly understand if you're like, this is another game I'm going to avoid, but I'm just wondering, is Dak sort of at least in the conversation for you? He actually is in the conversation for me. So, you know, every week, you know, obviously I show them on Sportsline too, but I'll basically tell you, I've got four quarterbacks uh, that'll be spread across five lineups total. Um, Well, I guess 10 lineups, five on each site. But Dak is one of my four quarterbacks. I have Lamar Jackson, Ben Roethlisberger, Dak Prescott, and Matthew Stafford. Those are the four Mm -hmm. quarterbacks I am most likely interested in playing with a fifth Tua is like on the fringe of being the fifth quarterback if I do decide to run five individuals. So, Dak is right there. Um, you know, if you followed along, you know what I'm looking for. I'm looking for someone with upside, with massive weapons that can take the football to the house on any given play. That's exactly what he has here. And then I'm also looking for division games typically because they're typically more competitive. They're typically tightly contested like that. That is what we want for them to keep the foot on the pedal. And then finally, I'm looking for that single digit ownership and I'm project projecting Dak. You know, to not be super popular here, the price point is actually depressed a little bit here. So I, I do think it's an excellent time to go pair Dak and CeeDee Lamb together as, uh, you know, you're getting a nice discount because of the slate in general, but also because there's clear value on the Tua situation. There's very clear interest in paying up for Cooper Cup, Devontae Adams. Uh, it's going to leave a lot of that mid-range underexposed, and that that's really what I'm interested in here. Yeah, and I think it's fair to say, and correct me if I'm wrong, if Zeke and Tony Pollard are active, no interest there. But the follow-up question is, if I guess Tony Pollard's going to be active. So I was going to ask, well, if Tony Pollard's not active, would you play Zeke? My answer to that would still be no. Um, but interestingly, it looks like Tony Pollard's playing. So the only scenario where you'd play a Dallas running back is is if for some reason they downgrade Ezekiel Elliott. And then all of a sudden, Tony Pollard at 5,800, I think, becomes a value. Let's talk about the other side of the ball, Mike. We've got you know, just a host of, you know, wide receiver threes, in my opinion, maybe wide receiver fours. We've got Saquon Barkley, who, you know, seems to have still an ankle issue, even though he did practice on Thursday. Evan Ingram at 3,100. I believe he caught one pass for eight yards last week. Is is there anybody to potentially run this back with, assuming you're stacking it? But forgetting about the stack, is there anybody you would want a piece of at all on the Giants side? Not really, uh, just because of the assumptions that I'm making at the running back position. You know, prior to, say, Urban Meyer getting fired and some of the COVID news, it would have been Saquon Barkley is someone in my player pool that I would use. Uh, I will use him in a scenario where I'm stacking CeeDee Lamb in the bring back if I'm confident he's going to get that receiving work. Uh, Other than that, I don't really want any part of, you know, like Sterling Shepard's going to project okay. The issue is, is Mike Glennon is throwing the passes. And not only that, it's 37 degrees, 15 to 20 mile per hour winds, uh, outdoor game against a division opponent. It just doesn't scream like where I want to invest in Mike Glennon delivering the football, not on a huge slate, not when there's pretty obvious value across the slate everywhere. So Mm. can it burn me? Of course, Sterling Shepard could easily go score two touchdowns in a game like this, but not something I'm going to be wanting to invest in. So for me, it's Saquon Barkley as a run back only, um, which has changed. He was not in run back territory. He was in any real format territory for me probably two days ago, but now it's run back only. Gotcha. All right. So let's move on to another NFC East battle, the Washington football team who are experiencing all kinds of COVID issues uh, at the Philadelphia Eagles. Again, another big spread. And this is mostly due to the COVID issues that Washington is is having. I think this line might have opened up at four, four and a half, five. And now because of the COVID issues, it's ballooned to nine and a half. 
might even reach 10, although it might bounce back down because it looks like Terry McLaurin might actually play in this game, and, and that will be a, a kind of a big deal for the Washington football team. The total here, only 44 points. We have another game with some winds and some cold weather, uh, but around 14, 15 mile per hour winds projected 37 degrees. So certainly nothing to sound the alarm bells for, but something to absolutely monitor. Washington football team, as stated, COVID issues are everywhere. 21 players as of right now are on the COVID list, including Jonathan Allen, a key piece for that defensive line. Uh, Kendall Fuller, a key piece for the secondary. Cam Sins, um, could be more on the way. J.D. McKissick and Curtis Samuel did not practice Thursday. Terry McLaurin was limited, which is actually a good thing. He's coming out of the concussion protocol. On the Philly side, we have all three of Miles Sanders, Jordan Howard, and Boston Scott actually practicing on Thursday. Jalen Hurts was at practice with his ankle issue. So, Mike, let me just kick it to you. Any side of the ball you want to talk about, do you, do you like really anything in this game? Outside of playing Antonio Gibson when everybody jumps off of him, I think that's mm -hmm. really the only thing I can get to. Uh, I don't want any part of the Philadelphia uh, roulette wheel in, in terms of rushing the football, whether that's with the three running backs that are active, I guess four running backs essentially active. Uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see if they're all active for the game. Jalen Hurts, um, you know, the price points crept up to the point where he's playable. Any one of those running backs are playable, but. I play a very limited number of lineups, so I personally will not be getting anywhere on the Philly side. Um, but I do have some interest in Antonio Gibson, as I, I do think that the volume should be there. We'll see about the efficiency, but the, the, the guy should touch the football 20 times. Yeah, I totally agree about Gibson. I, you know, I, I, it would certainly make sense for many people to jump off him, and I, I certainly expect that to happen. He's going to get the volume, especially if J.D. McKissick is out. Interestingly, with all the injuries and the issues that Washington is having, particularly with the receiver core, I, it wouldn't shock me if they sort of, you know, rush J.D. McKissick back. And I'm not saying that they, you know, rush him back from a from an injury, but. If I'm J.D. McKissick, you know, I'm certainly getting opportunity in this game, regardless of Antonio Gibson. So I think one thing to consider is if J.D. McKissick is back, it wouldn't really scare me off too much in terms of coming off of Antonio Gibson. In fact, it might embolden me a little bit because those few people that were still on the Gibson train, they're going to jump off as soon as J.D. McKissick is active. And I think they both can survive a game like this, knowing that there's so many injuries with the receiver core. So I think McKissick could still get you know, a couple rush attempts, four or five targets, and Antonio Gibson could still get 20 to 23, 24 touches in this game. So uh, I, I like Gibson regardless at 6K. I agree with you on the Philly side. It's just too jumbled. I think if Minshew was actually starting, which he might, I doubt it, but he might I think the receivers would be interesting here, particularly Dallas Goddard at tight end and Devontae Smith. But with Jalen Hurts out there and his his um, you know half healed ankle, I, I just I think it's going to be just a slow pace, run the ball and and get out of, get out of there on that one. So yeah, I'm not super interested in this game. It's Gibson, and that's pretty much it. I think Ricky Seals Jones is in play at 3,400 as a, as a punt tight end. I expect him to get more targets coming off that hip injury. Um, if Terry McLaurin for some reason doesn't play, I think a dart to DeAndre Carter could be an interesting possibility. He is a deep threat for the Washington football team. Adam Humphreys also in play there too. So uh, not much not much else to say about that game. So let's move on. Titans at Steelers. The Titans are actually favored at the Steelers. Um, minus one. They're favored by a point in a 43-point total. They have some injuries on the offensive line at Ro uh, Roger Saffold, namely uh, linebacker David Long. Jack Rabbit Jenkins at corner uh, did not practice on Thursday. Pittsburgh, TJ Watt was limited at practice. 
Joe Hayden and Ben Roethlisberger did not practice. Uh, probably not much to worry about with Big Ben there, uh, in my opinion, but we'll have to wait and see on that. So you mentioned Big Ben earlier in the show, Mike. Um, it sounds like you're interested in Big Ben and, and maybe some other parts of that offense. Very interested here. Uh, and, you know, I'll talk about the betting market really quickly on this one because these were two of my plays on the mega preview on the early edge on Tuesday. Um, seeing some good line movement in my favor on both of them. So I actually took the Steelers in a teaser, which was at two, teased up to eight. Uh, I know RJ, our um, pal over there, has the Steelers plus two. And then I took the over 41 and a half. And we've seen this one balloon back up to 43. Uh, I really, really, really like this. Um, I think it's a great spot. So I want to play on the emotion with Big Ben. Big Ben came out and said it's basically his last season in Pittsburgh, which everyone else kind of understands that that means it's his last season ever. Like, we don't really <laughs> expect Ben to go play anywhere else, do we? I know I certainly do not. Well, I don't, ex I don't expect there to be suitors for Big Ben. I guess, I guess that's what you're I saying mean, regardless, but yeah. Right. The, there, there's the Grey Cup in Canada and the CFL. He could potentially <laughs> be headed that way if he wants to continue playing football. But I, I, I think this is it for Big Ben. And not only is this it for Big Ben, he's got two home games left. Two games left there in Pittsburgh in front of that audience. We saw it a couple weeks ago. I actually I played him and it didn't work out he, against the, the Cincinnati game, right? Mm -hmm. It didn't work out, but it did because that was the week that everyone fell apart at the quarterback position. He still scored 12 fantasy points because they let him play until the last snap of the game. That's going to happen no matter what the game script is. Ben is going to be out there playing. Even if they fall behind, even if their game is out of reach, Ben is going to be out there and throwing the football I like that a lot. I also just like the price point and the pivot. So I'm projecting Tua to be the, one of the more popular quarterbacks. I'm projecting 5x the ownership on Tua versus Ben. And when you look at quarterbacks, the scoring typically bunches. So we're looking at basically, what, 250 yards, two touchdowns. You're going to have a pretty decent day in, in terms of fantasy. Tua is not five times more likely than Ben to have two touchdowns and 250 yards uh, so I love it. I love the connection with Deontay Johnson. Um, it's going to be a core piece for me. I'm going to be right back invested there. I, I think it's a great spot for Big Ben and the Steelers. Yeah, I'll tell you right now, I'm going to be on Deontay Johnson this week as well. I'm, I'm definitely going to be playing a lot of Deontay, a lot of Cooper Cup, and a lot of uh, Devontae Adams. So uh, interested in him. I'm definitely interested in the stack, uh, moderately interested at least. I'll definitely have a, a couple of stacks with Ben and Deontay. Um, I'm, I, I wanted to ask you about Najee Harris. Does that take Najee Harris out of play because you're so invested in Big Ben? Will you have any lineups where you don't have that stack? And I know you play a limited amount of lineups. So for the sake of this question, assume that the listener plays 10 tournament lineups each week. Uh, should one of them have Najee Harris or a couple of them have Najee Harris? I mean, look, I think it's a great pivot. Um, it's not going to be super popular. The issue is, is it's pretty prohibitive to do that if you're still going to play Devontae Adams or Cooper Cup or, yeah. or wanting two of those guys. So I, I don't think it's necessary uh, at this point, personally. Yeah. Um, can he go break the slate and score two touchdowns, be heavily involved? Of course he can. Um, but at, at the price point, I look, he's the highest price running back, 7,800. Like you could make the argument that because no one's going to play him, like it, it's fine. And there are game scripts where it works out. But I, I really anticipate this. You know, if they they're performing well, I anticipate it to come from Ben, and I, I expect a really heavy dose of Deontay. So, you know, it would take it would take probably twenty plus lineups for me personally to really get there on Najee. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna 
I'm probably going to have like, you know, a lineup with Najee Harris just just to have him in there in case that's where the offense flows through the entire game. But I absolutely agree with the Big Ben, uh, Deontay Johnson call. I- interested at all in, I'm not, in, in Chase Claypool or maybe like Ray Ray McLeod as, as a super big punt. Uh, I'm assuming no to that. Yeah, no. Um, I, I think that the only one that you could maybe, maybe consider get, getting to is Pat Fryermuth. He just mm-hmm. still has a lot of chemistry with Ben. He's not going to be owned really at all on this slate. Um, for me, projects is another slate where you could easily go double tight end. We've seen that a lot recently, but I think that this is another one where I'll be considering doing that. So I, I think that the most likely scenario for me, which you've seen this build out of me many times this year, right? Uh, I, I think the most likely scenario where I get someone other than Deontay is Big Ben, Deontay, Fryermuth at tight end, and then someone like Mark Andrews or whoever my other big tight end spin would be, would be in that flex or tight end spot as well to where I'm not sacrificing that play to get Fryermuth in there. Yeah, that makes sense. Let me, let me, before we get to the Jets and Dolphins game, which is, it's good that that's our next game because we are kind of talking about Tua versus Big Ben. And, and I like what you said about the 5X in terms of ownership and, and likelihood that uh, Ben does the same thing, if not better than Tua, at least one out of five times. So, uh, but before we get there, the the Titans side of the ball, like I'm not interested in Julio Jones, nor was I last week. I, you know, I'm sure you're. I'm guessing you're probably not either. I'm not interested in Jeff Swaim at 3K uh, as a punt tight end, but Deontay Foreman does. I do have some interest there, in spite of the fact that I fully realize that all three of those running backs on the Titans side got between 32% and 38% of the snaps last week. But to me, among Deontay Foreman, Dontrell Hilliard, and Jeremy McNichols, it seemed to me that Dante Foreman is pretty much the clear cut first and second down guy. Maybe I'm overstating it, but but that's how I see it. And knowing that the Steelers' defense, forget about what Dalvin Cook did against them. Even before that, it was a bad Steelers' run defense, allowing a ton of yards per carry. I mean, I think on the season they're close to five at this point uh, to opposing running backs. At at 5,200, it seems reasonably contrarian to me. Is it possible that you, you take Ben and Deontay and you run it back with Deontay Foreman, or is that just not a responsible move? I don't think so. I, for me, it won't be a runback situation. Uh, it, it's just everything is so spread out there, like you mentioned. It, it's yeah. not just a timeshare with two backs. It's literally like almost an even split with the three backs. Um, you know, if, if you want it, honestly, if I was going to do something like that, I would probably be more inclined to uh, to use Julio Jones if yeah. I was going to do something like that. So th- there's enough running backs that I like on the slate that it certainly would not be a running back that I'd bring it back with. I think the only way you could even justify playing Deontay Foreman is if you think this is going to be a very competitive game or you think that the Titans will be operating with the lead for the majority of the game. Because to your point, Mike, Dontrell Hilliard and Jeremy McNichols are obviously going to get a decent amount of run if you're right about Pittsburgh maybe holding a lead for the majority of this game. So um, certainly it's going to be a competitive game regardless. But those are some of the things I think you have to think of, especially when you're talking about a three-back committee. Let's go to the, speaking of running back committees, uh, let's go to the Jets and Dolphins. I mean, l- let's just talk about the Dolphins real quick and their running backs. Miles Gaskin, Salvin Ahmed, Phil- Philip Lindsay, all on the COVID list. Uh, Malcolm Brown has been designated to return from IR, uh, but it does sound like Gaskin has a chance to play as well. Uh, we know that Duke Johnson is on this team. Unfortunately, recent news about Jalen Waddell, he is on the COVID list as well. So, Obviously, Miami Dolphins are one of many teams that are, are suffering from just the recent COVID outbreak. New York Jets, Michael Carter has been designated to return from IR. Uh, Tevin Coleman got a full practice in today. So let's talk about this game on the Dolphins side. It sounds like Tua is going to have some popularity because it's the Jets 
And because his price point is very reasonable at 5,700 on DraftKings, uh, obviously, Devontae Parker is going to be of a lot of interest. He's going to be very popular because he does get targets and he's only 4,300. And now that you have Jalen Waddell out, it seems like he'll be targeted even more. So let's talk about that side of the ball. Are you playing Tua? Are you recommending Tua? And if so, what pass catchers? And of course, I'm including Mike Gusecki in that conversation as well. Yeah, so Tua is fringe playable for me right now. Like an optimizer is going to tell you that he's a good play. Um, I can tell you right now I'm electing to play Big Ben in most of my lineups over him. Uh, Just a a pure leverage play. Uh, You look at this total in this game, it's actually lower than the Steelers game. uh, Over at 41, 41 and a half in the betting market. The the discrepancy in how likely they are to be popular and some of the game scripts, uh, I would much rather have been in a competitive game uh, at drastically reduced ownership. So I'm probably talking myself out of Tua. Um, we'll see what the ownership shakes out like. We'll see what the running back situation is. If Gaskin's in there, that can have a little bit of an impact as well. Um, as far as pass catchers, I like Devontae Parker. My issue is is he, he might be too popular now that Waddle is out. I really liked him with Waddle in just because I do think he could build on having, you know, working opposite of Waddle in, in this type of game. Uh, but at 4,300, like I'm certainly keeping him in the player pool and I'm fine playing him. Um, I think it's okay to play him without Tua, frankly. So, like, if I'm playing a Big Ben lineup, I might play Parker. I, I do think that if Tua has a huge game, Parker is going to be involved now at this point. Uh, and I like a number of other tight ends. So I'm not worried about getting Gasecki in there, but I, they're they're fine plays. The The issue is, is like, if you remove ownership, yeah, they're, they're fine plays. But the ownership combined with some of the upside that they have starts to become a problem with me. So I, I'm not going to be... I'm going to be drastically underweight to the field on the Miami Dolphins this week. Yeah, I think I'm going to be under the field as well. I I am interested in Mike Gusecki. Obviously, Devontae Parker makes sense to make your lineups work. I'm curious, if you're playing a big tournament, you got a single bullet in, in let's say, um, you know, the Millie Maker, Albert Wilson. Would would he be in play for for a, 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 a tournament like that? He's absolutely in play for a tournament like that. Uh, there are a number of guys. Another one we'll talk about when we get to the Seahawks, Freddie Swain. Guys like that, they, they're always going to be in play, especially on these kind of slates where it allows you to pay up for Cooper Cup. It allows you to get Devontae Adams. It allows you to get what you want where you want it. Um, that That's, yeah, he's definitely in play. Not a core play, not a cash game play for me, but certainly someone that should be on your radar. Okay. Sounds good. All right. So let's, you know what? I almost moved to the next game without actually addressing the Jets. So, okay. So listen, Michael Carter, it it looks like he's going to be designated to return. Uh, Any interest in him? Do you need, do you need more information? And I assume you're not interested in any of the pass catchers here. Yeah, I'm really not. Um, And the reason, you know, I'm totally going to take the stance on fading the game because I want to be underweight on the Dolphins in theory, right? Going in on the Jets if I'm underweight on a popular Dolphins team doesn't make a lot of sense because if I go in on the Jets and they have a lot of success in this game script, that's likely just making a more competitive game for the Dolphins. It's likely pushing those Dolphins to at least meeting value and not busting in any way, shape, or form. So I think the best move for me here personally is likely to just not necessarily cross the game off completely, but certainly be very, very underweight on it. And there are a number of running backs, a number of positions out there that I, I don't have much interest in rostering the New York Jets at this point. 
So this would probably be, speaking of rostering, this would probably be a good time for me to remind everybody, we do have our FFT DFS contest that's out. We've already got it like almost half full at this point. So definitely make sure you you click on the link again. That link is going to be really on any of our Twitters. I I just posted something about it, Uh, but obviously it's in the Apple podcast feed as well. So definitely uh, get, be a part of that. It's, It's a really fun contest. We give you a shout out when you win, of course. Um, last week it was Brewer uh, Brewer fan zero nine I believe he had a, an excellent an excellent uh, entry 150 entries total five dollars top 15 get paid out so we'll see you in that contest and we're gonna take a quick break six games down five to go and we'll be right back. Okay, picture this: it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. And we are back. The last of the early games, Texans at Jaguars. The Jags are four and a half point favorites with a 39 and a half point total. Um, Urban Meyer is gone. That is some breaking news. But Mike, you have some breaking news as well. Some more breaking news that's going to impact, surprise, surprise, the Cleveland Browns. Case Keenum. Backup quarterback. We know Baker Mayfield's out. Case Keenum has now also been ruled out, well, I guess placed on the COVID protocols, which would likely mean that he is out for Saturday. And they had four more defensive players added to the list, bringing their total to at least 20, potentially 21 players on the COVID reserve list this week for the Cleveland Browns on the shorter week for them on a Saturday Let's go Nick Mullins. It is uh, (laughs) potentially a Nick Mullins slate. It's going to be a very, very interesting Saturday afternoon. And wow, that and that's that is interesting, and it and you know it doesn't appear that the NFL is interested in postponing these games because if they were, we probably would have known about it with the Washington football team situation. So that game's a go. You know, we did a separate podcast for that two game slate. We didn't really address Case Case Keenum, so that that twenty minute podcast is actually still as viable as it was with this news. I'm not sure, Mike. Tell me if you disagree. Again, this is for the Saturday two game slate. I'm not so. I, listen, I think Case Keenum is a fine quarterback, but I don't think Nick Mullins changes the dynamic in terms of how you analyze that two game slate as it pertains to the Cleveland Browns. Uh, no, not at all. Actually, I think I would rather play Nick Mullins than uh, Case Keenum. I, I think Mullins might still have a little bit of upside on the on the ground with his legs uh, mm-hmm. if he needed to, um, and he's simply he's cheaper uh, down to the bare minimum price. He's four thousand dollars. Opens up like another eight hundred dollars on the slate. Never going to complain about that. It's just going to make it, if you liked that situation, frankly, I think you should like it more because it's just going to make it easier to get Jonathan Taylor in there. It's going to make it easier to get Chubb. It's going to make it easier to get Renfro and Jacobs. Like You should be able to get all of those guys in the same lineup now. 
Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let's let's touch on that Texans and Jaguars game. Nothing super exciting here other than the news about Urban Meyer finally being gone. Daryl Bevel takes over as the interim head coach. On the Houston side of the ball, we have a cornerback, Terrence Mitchell. He did not practice. Brevin Jordan, who had a great game last week, he was limited. I suspect he's going to play. Jacksonville, James Robinson, offensive tackle Jawan Taylor, center Brendan Linder, all limited at practice. I, I would expect them to play. Miles Jack, an outside linebacker, Josh Allen did not practice. So what do we think about this game from the Jacksonville side, Mike? Are we expecting fireworks now that Urban Meyer is gone, or is it going to be a week or two before we see those? I think the the main name people are looking at here at 5,400 is James Robinson. Does he finally get unleashed? I hope so. Uh, I'm going to take the stance and play him. So I, I do like James Robinson at 5,400, and there's a real big reason why I like it, and I'm just going to go ahead and tell you that, is I like the Jags' defense. Uh, 2,800. I think it's a great spot. And if you know anything about how I play, I love to correlate the running back and the defense. Getting to do that here is something I'm very excited about. They are at home. I love that they're at home. I love that Urban Meyer is gone. If there was a spot, frankly, for the rest of this season where they come out with a ton of energy and really want to play well and give the absolute maximum effort across the board, I would expect it to be this week against a team that is very realistic for them to actually go beat. Like the Jaguars are favored in this game, right? They yes. know that. They pay attention to that stuff. It's not a game where they're they're playing, you know, Tom Brady or something like that. It's not an in-division game against the Colts that they know they're not going to win. This is a game that's in-division that they can win against Houston. I love the Jags defense. They will be my most popular defense by far, and I will be pairing them with James Robinson. And to your point, to the extent that the locker room just didn't like Urban Meyer, which I think at this point we all believe, right? And that doesn't seem like really um, rumor as, as much as fact. It would be just the perfect coming out party for that team to have a dominant win and be like, yeah, it really was Urban Meyer. I mean, one game doesn't really tell the story in that regard, but I mean, that's really what it would look like. And so I think to your point, they're going to be highly motivated on both sides of the ball and, you know, just feeding it to James Robinson over and over again certainly makes sense with that said are you interested in trevor lawrence or any receivers on you know on that side of the ball i am uh it's another situation where i would play trevor lawrence and james robinson together um i I think trevor will be unleashed in this game i think he will be incredibly incredibly motivated to play here um look i I think that it's a spot where is tua significantly more likely to score two touchdowns in this game and outperform Trevor Lawrence? In my opinion, the answer is no. Uh, So I'd rather play Trevor Lawrence than Tua for the most part now, speaking in in tournaments. So uh, one other thing to that point, another reason why I love James Robinson, I think that it's more socially acceptable to be petty in today's world than it really ever has been, just for the entertainment factor. And I'm going to be honest with you, all Urban wanted to do is establish the run with 250 yards worth of rushing. I think it would be hilarious if they fed the ball to James Robinson they racked up 200 plus yards of running offense in this game and won here. Um, look, I, I think that, you know, I'm willing to go down on this. I, I, if you're willing to be on the chalk with the Miami Dolphins, I don't know why you wouldn't be willing to invest in this emotional spot um, against a team that I think they can run it up against. So give me the Jags, give me Robinson, and probably give me Trevor Lawrence in a tournament. 
Very interesting. On the other side of the ball, you know, we we it's interesting because Davis Mills has been pretty good, and and his receivers have have been okay over the last couple weeks. Obviously, Brandon Cooks is a guy who's going to catch a lot of balls, probably get a lot of yards, especially against this Jacksonville defense. I think he's in play. I think if you're you're trying to punt at thirty five hundred, Nico Collins, he's starting to get targets with Davis Mills. Uh, he had 10 targets last week, caught five of them for 69 yards, 20% target share. And speaking of targets, Royce Freeman. I mean, David Johnson looks to be healthy. So it's it's probably a no for Royce Freeman and David Johnson. But I, I feel like I need to point out, while Royce Freeman isn't rushing for any yards, he's literally averaging like 1.2 yards per carry, he's catching a lot of balls. He had eight targets last week and he caught six of them. So it seems to me that, you know, again, if, if him and David Johnson are both active, I don't know that you could start either of them, but it seems to me that there are at least some targets. If you did do a stack, I think running it back with Nico Collins or Brandon Cooks is actually viable. Do you agree there or are you just avoiding a bring back? No, I definitely think it's viable to bring it back. Uh, either one of those are fine. Probably Cooks for me, as I, I do think that he would still get there in that spot. So, But yeah, totally viable to have the bring back in this one. Um, one other comment I'll make on it, obviously, was with Urban Meyer, but you go look at Lawrence's box score uh, against the first time they played through the football 51 times uh, in the game against Houston earlier. I believe it was week one of the season. Uh, yes, it was week one of the season, three touchdowns, three interceptions, kept the game competitive, scored 25 fantasy points. Um, we'll see. We'll see if they run it up again here in this spot. I think they do. Wow. That's that, that's, you know, as boring as that game looked to be now, it's suddenly interesting, both from a fantasy football and just kind of like real life watching football perspective. So I'm actually really excited about that. That one o'clock starts, but let's go to the afternoon slate. We start with the Falcons at the 49ers, another big spread. Niners are favored at home by nine and a half, 46 and a half point total on the Atlanta side. Uh, Dante Fowler did not practice. Hayden Hurst is back at practice after missing Wednesday. San Francisco side, Elijah Mitchell did not practice Wednesday. I believe he practiced off to the side on Thursday. Uh, remember, he had the concussion and some knee irritation as well. Uh, George Kittle did not practice on Wednesday, but that's probably a maintenance day. Uh, let's say, like the 49ers, they're all priced up. They seem to be worth it, though. Debo, 8200 Kittle, 7500 Brandon Ayuk, 6300 which technically is a price up from where he was usually living in that 5800 range. Uh, Jimmy G, pretty cheap at 5800 Are you interested in this side of the ball, and, and is a stack a possibility here? A stack is a possibility. Uh, I can't do anything really until we know more about Eli Mitchell. Like mm -hmm. Debo Samuel's mostly going to be in play. I could see myself making the contrarian call on Brandon Ayuk, maybe if people are banged up. But for the most part, I like in early runs, initial builds, I actually don't have any pieces of this game. Gotcha. Yeah. And, and, you know, one thing to consider, so this is a 46 point total. So it's relatively high for this slate And the, the Niners are a 27.75 implied total. So again, that's pretty high. The question becomes, you know, where do those points go? Certainly they could potentially go to the defense, I suppose, but I do think, I do think George Kittle is just right back in play. And it goes back to that conversation when you're talking about Najee Harris, for example. Do you want to pay up for Najee Harris or do you want to pay up for George Kittle and play maybe a puntish uh, running back? You know, those are sort of some of the decisions you have to make. A lot of people these days don't want to pay up for tight end. But, I mean, I, I don't know how you ignore the fact that Kittle, j just last game, he caught 13 of 15 targets for 151 yards and one touchdown. And if you're like, well, yeah, but what has he done over the last few weeks? Okay, well, I'll tell you. He's caught 23 of 29 targets for 345 yards and three touchdowns. Like the guy is an absolute machine and, and I don't really see the target share 
going down too much. I mean, I, I think your worst case scenario for George Kittle is probably somewhere between eight and 10 targets. And it's just a matter of what he's going to do with those. And so far he's shown so much ability to get yards after the catch and find himself in the end zone. So is Kittle on your radar at all here? He is, um, you know, you, I like the, the Ravens again. I like Mark Andrews again. I, I really mm-hmm. like him in these kind of games. So that's where I'm going to end up going personally, just because it looks like the crowd is not going to do that once again this week. So he's fine. He's playable. I would consider playing him in a flex spot also and treating him as a higher end middle mid-range wide receiver because uh, that's essentially what he is. Um, and, and I'd be okay playing it that way, but he's actually not going to be a, a core piece really at all for me. Gotcha. On the other side of the ball, we can touch on this real quick. I mean, I don't think we're really interested in, in stacking the Matt Ryan side of the ball. I do think Corderell Patterson is an interesting, potentially contrarian play. I'm not looking at ownership right now, but at 6,900, I'm not so sure people are going to be super inclined to play him at San Francisco. I do think because the Falcons are actually playoff viable that a lot of this offense is probably going to run through Patterson because he's their best player right now with Calvin Ridley you know, still not back. Uh, onto the field so it, are Corderell Patterson or Kyle Pitts in play at all whether you're stacking or not like do, do you want a piece of either of these guys or is it just move on to the next game I really want to move on to the next game uh you know I think that if we get really really clear ownership later this week meaning that Chase Edmonds is upgraded ruled in it looks like everything's all systems go with James Robinson then I think you have a really interesting kind of pivot whether it's you know in that spot or in the flex uh with Patterson but as of right now, it does project as a game that I'm mostly going to be avoiding. Okay, let's move on to the Bengals at the Broncos. Broncos are favored by two and a half, a 44-point total. Cincinnati right tackle Riley Reef placed on IR. Cornerback Awuzie on, co- on the COVID list. Joe Burrow is at practice as of Thursday after missing Wednesday. Denver, Javante Williams did not practice Thursday, so that's certainly something to monitor. He was limited on Wednesday. Uh, He's still expected to play, as is Melvin Gordon. As everybody knows at this point, both of them are getting plenty of touches, uh, including last week, I believe Melvin Gordon had 24 carries, Javante had 15 carries, and Javante had two targets. So 24 touches, the 17 touches, Melvin Gordon led the way there. Um, They are 6,100 and 5,900 respectively this week. On the Bengals side, we have Joe Mixon at 7,200, Chase 7,100, T. Higgins, 6,500. Are we interested in anything here? Um, I I expect, you know, Denver to try to establish the running game here. And frankly, Cincinnati in positive game scripts or or neutral game scripts, they tend to lean on Joe Mixon. With that said, I'm not really interested in the running backs in this game. And so I I don't know that I'm really interested in this game at all. But maybe, Mike, you have a different take here. I, I wish I did, but I really don't. Uh, I, I'm not getting anywhere in this game right now. Um, you know, if, I'm never going to fault you if you want to take a flyer on Jamar Chase. Uh, I, I think that he's obviously possesses that upside. Um, I, I'm a little worried about it, though. You know, th- th- this game in this spot. So for me, it's a very clear stay away. Um, you know, maybe something emerges on their the, the Broncos side of the running back situation, but overall, uh, I expect more of a defensive battle in this game and. You know, the price points have come up a little bit everywhere across the board. So not a situation that I'm really eager to go attack. Yeah, I actually totally agree on that. So let's move on to a game that is going to be the next two games. The last two games we're going to talk about, I think, are super interesting. So let's start with the Seahawks at the Rams. We have a 45 and a half point total. 
the Rams are favored by four and a half points. Seattle, uh, interestingly, earlier today, Tyler Lockett and Alex Collins were placed on the COVID list. Uh, DK Metcalf, Freddie Swain, and D. Eskridge all did not practice Wednesday. Um, I'm expecting all three of them to play, but we'll have to monitor that. The Rams have 13 players on the COVID list, including Odell Beckham, who was placed on it earlier this week. And Jalen Ramsey and Daryl Henderson will have to monitor to see if Ramsey or Henderson will be back because I, I think they had been designated with COVID uh, a little bit earlier than guys like Odell Beckham. Uh, so monitor that situation. Lots of moving parts here. Do we like this game? And, and let's start with the Rams side of the ball. I mean, I think you and I discussed this pre-show. I think we're, we both like Matt Stafford and we like Stafford to cup quite a bit. Are you on that stack? And are there any other pieces on the Rams side that you like? So I, I will be on the stack. It uh, won't be primary for me, but it will be one lineup that I will have with Stafford uh, and likely a second piece, undecided what the second piece will be yet. Uh, it's it's going to be determined on the bring back because it will be a, a bring back situation as well. Uh, but love Cooper Cup will be in every lineup of mine for sure this week. Um, Van Jefferson is very interesting. Uh, I like that he's not basement barrel pricing. Uh, I think that's going to really dissuade people on the ownership there. So I, I do like him quite a bit. Uh, I think Tyler Higby is interesting. Another one of those options where I could have a double tight end. Like I, I will have quite a few double tight end lineups again this week uh, as of right now. So I think Higby being back is, is something that I could be interested in. Uh, and then, you know, we'll see on the running back situation, but I, it's Cooper Copper bust. I, I'm expecting literally 15 targets in this game. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I'm going to be on Cooper Cup this week. I think a lot of people are, and, and I'm I'm very happy to just participate in that chalk because I, I think it's certainly good chalk there. Uh, and I, I agree on Van Jefferson. I'll probably play a little bit more Tyler Higby than Van Jefferson. I think the Seattle side is really interesting. You got, you know, obviously, it doesn't look like Tyler Lockett's going to play. We do have DK Metcalf with some lingering foot issue, but I expect him to play. Uh, and then, of course, with Alex Collins out, now we have a surefire Rashad Penny as the number one running back. He was going to be anyway, but it doesn't look like there's going to be as many carries taken away from him as maybe we would have thought with Alex Collins. Obviously, AP is still on that team, Travis Homer, DJ Dallas, but looks like it's going to be the Penny and DK Metcalf show. Are you interested in either of those guys, and is there anybody else on your radar here? Yeah, I'm interested in both of those guys. Uh, I'm also interested in Freddie Swain if he's available to play. There, there's a lot of moving pieces. Uh, you know, he's dealing with an ankle injury, did not practice yesterday. We don't have the practice report yet today. I would assume because they're so banged up and limited that he, he's going to be out there. Um, but it could be one of him. Uh, could be D. Eskridge, I guess. Penny Hart, if either one of those guys is out, I, I think would step in and, and has been capable in some of those roles. Uh, I would still expect a neutral or negative game script for them to where they're going to have to throw the football at some point. So very interested in, in the uh, some of the cheaper guys. And then once again, another tight end that I could play is Gerald Everett. Uh, I, I do think that uh, he's someone that's going to have some volume uh, in this game. And I believe that he is active and ready to go. I know it's a little revenge game uh, as he used to play for the LA Rams. If you want to subscribe to that narrative, he's... You know, he's thirty five hundred dollars. Um, you know, basically view him as a low end value wide receiver in this sort of situation, especially if one of Freddie Swain, D. Eskridge, or D. DK Metcalf are out or limited severely in this game. Um, so yeah, it's a lot of moving pieces in this one, but for sure have interest because of division game. Both teams can score. Russ is looking a lot better, and we know that we're playing Cooper Cup. 
Yeah, I'll tell you, I, I do like Gerald Everett quite a bit as a as a punt tight end. I think he's definitely going to be leaned on now that Lockett is out, but especially if another one of these receivers are out. I think Gerald Everett is is a super smart play. Are, are you playing Rashad Penny at all in any lineups? I, I can tell you for me, he's not in my player pool as of yet, despite the news we got about Alex Collins. Uh, any interest in, in Rashad Penny? Uh, a little bit. So the only real scenario where I'm getting to him is if, say, James Robinson's ownership like really gets out of hand. If it really gets out of hand, I might play the Jaguars defense and take advantage of some of that correlation and then throw Penny in there with Chase Edmonds. I, I think that that's probably an okay strategy. Uh, but it's mostly going to come down to the ownership. But it's also going to come down to what does that Seattle depth chart look like for me. Like if some of those guys are out, like Penny might have to catch some passes out of the backfield. You know, if mm-hmm. DK for some reason is not able to go, which I don't expect that to be the issue, by the way. I expect him to play. But if they run into any issues like that, I think that it definitely opens things up for him. We don't have a real history of him catching passes. But in this offense, I, I do think that it's something that can happen. So I'm not removing him from my player pool, but he's definitely not like in optimal lineups as of right now. Absolutely. Let's go to the final game, which has a pretty low total, but I think is going to have a lot of interest uh, in the fantasy community. It's the Green Bay Packers at the Baltimore Ravens. It's a 43 and a half point total. As I said, it the, the Packers are five and a half point favorites at Baltimore. Aaron Jones, interesting. He did not practice on Thursday after being limited on Wednesday. So that's certainly something to monitor for a variety of reasons. Aaron Rodgers also with a DNP, but that's his toe injury, so that's probably just a maintenance day for him. Uh, the Ravens, 11 players out of practice Thursday, including Lamar Jackson, Marquise Brown, three of their starting offensive linemen, Calais Campbell, and Chuck Clark. So it's looking like Lamar Jackson is trending towards playing. Uh, Marquise Brown, it's just an interesting thing that's popped up with him. Uh, I believe it's illness-related, so we'll have to keep an eye on him, make sure it's not COVID-related. Um, usually it's not if they announce illness first, but again, something to monitor. What do you like in this game? Because you mentioned Mark Andrews. Um, I think Devontae Freeman is interesting on that side of the ball. So we'll get to the Packers in, in a second. But uh, it sounds like if Lamar is playing, you might be playing him. And to correct me if I'm wrong there. Yep. If Lamar is active, I am playing Lamar Jackson. Uh, I'll be playing Big Ben, Lamar Jackson. Same thing. They, they both can put up fantasy points like crazy. They both have a unique ability to be basically competitive in every single game that they play. We're projecting neutral or trailing game scripts for both of them. Um, Desperation time, frankly, for both of them. They both need to win these football games, right? So I like that a lot, but it once again comes down to that projected ownership. I'm going to get Lamar at 4% owned again. I'm going to get Big Ben at 2 to 3% owned again. Um, The other guys that are 3x their ownership are simply not 3x more likely to put up more fantasy points and or exceed their production in a way that's going to meaningfully impact me in a tournament negatively. So that's where I'm going. I love the handcuff with Mark Andrews. I'm going to be playing Mark Andrews no matter who the quarterback is, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, he's hungry right now. He looks great out there. I think they're going to want to continue to get the football to him. Uh, we saw in some of that desperation time with Huntley back there that they he was, he was a preferred target. I would expect that to be the case again. So I, I like Mark Andrews. I think he's a good pivot. Once again, we talk about it every week, but if I can find a quarterback that has elite upside with a pass catcher that has, I would call it elite upside, and both of those players are under 10% owned in a must-win game at their home field, sign me up. 
Yeah, I would call Mark Andrews a lead upside too. 11 of 11 targets, or I should say 11 catches on 11 targets last week for 115 yards and a touchdown. And for the record, to your point about Tyler Huntley, it, it's a young quarterback's best friend to have a big athletic tight end. It just, that's, the, the it's as old as time. Like that's what these young quarterbacks rely on. If you can find a big target with a big catch radius who happens to also be athletic, you are going to lean on him. So whether it's Lamar or Huntley, he's going to be a big uh, target for sure. Um, let's talk about Devontae Freeman real quick, because we, we know you can run on Green Bay a little bit. Freeman's getting a lot of touches. Uh, forget about you know stacks and things of that nature. If if I'm not stacking this game, do I potentially look at Devonte Freeman in terms of just taking a piece of this game at 5,500 on DraftKings? Yeah, you absolutely do. Um, you know, I love you know you've seen it a little bit. Obviously, some of it was when they they get into some of these more desperation situations, which they found themselves in the last two games. He's catching passes, uh, you know, eight targets two weeks ago, five targets last week, five catches in each of those games drastically helps the floor. He's going to get the handoffs. You know, he hasn't had less than 13 carries in what, five weeks, last four weeks. Mm -hmm. uh, I like that volume no matter who's in there. And you're right. You can run on Green Bay a little bit, especially with some of the injury report, really, that we, we've seen in some of these games. I believe they're without one of the defensive tackles uh, who was added to the COVID list today. So. I'm very much in on the Baltimore Ravens. Really, no matter who is on the field or who's playing quarterback, uh, they figure out ways to to move the football. They figure out ways to be in games, and I expect this to be the same case this week. Okay, so let's talk about the other side of the ball real quick. I don't think I need to ask you. If Aaron Jones is out, obviously A.J. Dillon is a great play at 5,700. Um, if they're both playing, you know, for me, I think it's probably a stay away. Do you agree with that? I would, yeah, I agree with it. So then the reason why I agree with it is AJ Dillon's not, I mean, uh, not AJ Dillon, is Jones, let me check before I, I say something silly. Everything related to Jones, is, is it really me or is it the illness? Because I'm reading that it's the illness that really keeps him out today. Um, mm -hmm. I, I don't think that the knee is, like it's a concern and they want to monitor it, but I, I don't think that if he plays in this game, I think it's because it's the combination of the illness and the knee. So as long as he's cleared from the illness by the game time, I would expect that he's going to play. And from what we've seen, they, they still want to utilize him. So I, I think that it's pretty clearly no go on either of the running backs if he's active. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously, Devontae Adams is in play. It doesn't Is Aaron Rodgers to Devontae one of your stacks or no? And and regardless of that, is Devontae Adams sort of an integral part of, of, of some of these big lineups you're making? Uh, look, I mean, I'm not going to say you shouldn't stack them. I do think that you can, and it's not going to shock me at all, frankly, if this game's competitive, if Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams is a stack that wins all the money. Like, I, I think that it's possible. Um, I think the scenario where I get both Adams and Cooper Cup is becoming increasingly less likely. I think it's going to be one or the other based on everything that I'm seeing in my initial builds. Uh, I do think that Cooper Cup will absolutely be more popular, so I do like that pivot. Um, I'm a little concerned with Rodgers, honestly. Uh, they have, they're beat up a little bit. He has talked about the, uh, the toe being a pretty major issue, and it's so much of an issue that they're actually – you know, he's considered surgery as a last resort, but they're considering it. He's talked about it, which, which is kind of crazy at this point. So now you're playing, you know, a road game. It's always more comfortable to play football games at home. Um, you know, it's and it's an environment that, you know, it's obviously drastically different playing at Lambeau where everyone cares about your success, whereas you're playing in Baltimore. Like it, it is a hostile road environment. So I'm going to be off of it, but 
I'm never going to say that you shouldn't play Aaron Rodgers with, with Devontae Adams. Like that, that's just silly. And those two could put up 60 fantasy points pretty easily. Yeah, and the only other guy I'll even bring up, if you, if you want to punt, punt at tight end, uh, we know this secondary is, is certainly banged up, and and I think J, uh, Josiah Deguara is is maybe in play yep. again. It's very puntish, but at twenty seven hundred, uh, it certainly could be a play there. So that that really covers the main slate. What we have to get to now uh, before our cheat sheet is Don's sneaky pick. So the, the Don Frank's dad, he came in fifth in our contest, our FFT DFS contest. Again, make sure you register for that. Reserve your lineup right away. Uh, but yeah, Don has a couple sneaky picks this week, and. How about we cue them up? Hello, everyone. The Don here. Last week's sneaky picks were terrible. But on a good note, all of my six fantasy football teams are in the playoffs. So this week, maybe sneaky picks will be better. First pick will be Rashad Penny. And the bonus pick will be Gabriel Davis. And that's the bottom line because the Don said so. So I'll tell you what, that that actually is such a good segue into our cheat sheet because, and I'll, I'll do mine first, Mike, if you don't mind. I've got, of course, on our cheat sheet, which we'll, we'll put out on Twitter as well, we have our value play, our chalk play, contrarian play, and our favorite stack. So I'll tell you right now, my value play, I agree with the Don. It's Gabriel Davis at 3,700. Uh, my chalk play, Devontae Adams. Contrarian play is Antonio Gibson, which we touched on earlier in the show. And my favorite stack is Matt Stafford to Cooper Cup. Uh, Mike, your turn. All right. My value play, uh, I'm going to use Freddie Swain. I know he's questionable. I like him if he plays. He's going to have to play, frankly, for this team, I think. So Freddie Swain for the Seattle Seahawks, uh, no surprise there. They're very limited. A lot of opportunity with Tyler Lockett being ruled out. Chalk play, not getting cute at all. Fade Cooper Cup at your own risk, as Frank would say. I am not going to fade him. I'm playing Cooper Cup this week in every single lineup for the most part. Maybe one lineup without him with Devontae Adams. We'll see. But as of now, he's in all of them. My contrarian play, Mark Andrews. Once again, uh, even despite the big score last week, with the quarterback concerns, with the elevated price point, with all the options on the slate, he's not going to be popular at all. I think they're going to have to be throwing the football to him. Uh, I think no matter who the quarterback is, they're in for a competitive game. So I like it. And then my stack. I'm going to give you two. My favorite, Big Ben to Deontay. That's what I'm playing the most of. Uh, love Deontay Johnson. Love Big Ben. They're going to let him play no matter what till the last snap. Even if they're down by 30, he's going to be chucking the football. We've already seen that. This is one of his two final home games in his NFL career. Next, Lamar Jackson to Mark Andrews. As long as Lamar plays, I'm going to play Lamar in a must-win game on his home field. And let's go over Frank's uh, plays real quick. His value play, Laquan Treadwell. So we're going back to the well there at 3,300. Chalk play, James Robinson at 5,400. Various reasons why that makes sense. And Mike really kind of outlined them well earlier, earlier in the show. Contrarian play, Van Jefferson, which truly is you know, likely contrarian given his price point is is a touch higher than I think most people think. And, and obviously people are playing Cooper Cup, maybe Tyler Higby. Jefferson's definitely going to get ignored there. So for, in most, for the most part. And Frank's favorite stack is a money saver. It's Tua at 5,700 to Devontae Parker at 4,300. So imagine what you can do with that lineup. You can really start stacking some, some premium players with uh, Tua and Devontae Parker stack. So I absolutely like that. Um, Mike, any, any final words before we wrap up the show? Uh, yes. So Frank's cheat sheet looks like it has changed, actually. So oh, it has. 
Yes. Uh, I'm gonna, I'll give you an updated rundown for Frank here. He, uh, as you know, breaking news during the show, obviously, I love has it. changed things. So value play actually is going with Devontae Parker, which makes a lot of sense oh. with Waddle being ruled out. Devontae Parker mm-hmm. is 4,300 on DraftKings. Uh, his chalk play, James Robinson, 5,400. Same thing, you know, Urban Meyer fired makes a lot of sense. We're expecting some of that. And then the contrarian play, Van Jefferson, also makes a ton of sense as I do think that price point at 5,600 is middling enough to where you're not going to see drastic ownership. And then his stack, Dak Prescott to CD Lamb. Love that one a lot as well. Oh, I actually really like that one too. Uh, And I think it'll be relatively contrarian. I will say though, the two at a Parker stack, if Parker works out, I mean, if that, if that get, I mean, that could really. Uh, you can really load up with a stack like that. But I do like the DAC stack as well. So uh, thanks for uh, updating me on that, Mike. And and that is our Thursday game-by-game breakdown show. Uh, make sure you join uh, FFT DFS, our contest. And thank you for listening today. And we will see you on Tuesday.